0: creative soul but you're not sure how to express yourself, well then this is the podcast for you. I'm Marianne Slater, visual artist, author, photographer, flower faffer, business owner and a woman on a mission to bring everyone's creativity to life. I'm talking to some of the most creative people I know, asking them where their creativity comes from, how it shows up for them in all aspects of their lives and hopefully inspiring you to find your own creative cure along the way. Today's guest is Lauren Barber, a lifestyle content creator and brand specialist working and living in the Peak District. Lauren works with small businesses, capturing the story of their brand and also teaching others how to style, capture and tell stories through their own imagery. Lauren and I have known each other for around seven years after finding each other through a photography workshop and immediately hitting it off. We've been through the ups and downs of running our respective businesses, as well as a few life milestones as well, and remained firm friends throughout. We're also joined today by Alf, Lauren's lovely doggo, who may or may not input into our conversation. So, hello Lauren, and welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. It's just so nice to have you here. (laughs) In my little studio. Yes, just to say, it's really windy outside and raining, so um, hopefully that won't interrupt us. I know. But... It's uh, yeah. It's been a wild one out there, hasn't it? I know. It? We've got hot hot coffee. <clears throat> we've got hot nice. coffee. We're ready to chat. Um, yeah, it's quite nice to think back. We were just talking before we started recording about um, like how long we've known each other. And we were no, seven years. Seven years. It's crazy, seven isn't it? Seven years,
1: strong. Yeah, um,
0: and we met doing. Um, it was back in the day when uh, flat lays were a the that thing layers,
1: yeah and olympus pen
0: the olympus pen you bought that olympus pen yeah well it's funny bird. actually
1: i've just like with my workshop i'm doing online kind of said to people like i started my business on an olympus pen on auto and shot <laughs> that for about five years i've had my business six years oh so, wow
0: so just started you know, learning like, how to use your <laughs> yeah
1: like yeah, i think well, well i think there. it's just when you when you <clears throat> create something you can just
0: you know you just do it yeah that was, i mean it was just funny that that course was all it really was all sort of photography styling yeah. and and flat lay and actually you didn't go on that course because of being a photographer you no. went on that course because of running your own business yeah a different business and then i th- i'd never really thought about that that's really interesting and then you've ended up doing that
1: thing that we met doing yeah really yeah I'm not a photographer like it's not something I went to uni for or set out to do like it just happened really yeah chose me chose you so yeah with that in mind I guess a
0: little bit of like background what did you do at school
1: and uni um yeah okay um, so I've always been creative I'd say sewing, making things obviously baking with mum I probably made my first sewing out, like sewing, I think I sewed a dress when I was 11 so I just wanted to always make something mm-hmm. I wanted to be a fashion designer <laughs> like that's where I wanted to be and I think when you're creative and then you have parents that are like well what are you going to do when you grow up right well i have to choose a job and i'm creative so i'll be a fashion designer there was no like thought processes <laughs> other than that really um so parents that they were just said okay how do we get you from a to b um so i did uh textiles at you at school and then that led me on to i live with uh with my mom in france for a bit because she lived out there from when i was 11 so i went to school there i thought Obviously, all the French fashion designers are the best ones. So I'll learn French. Um, so I went to a little local French school um, after my GCSEs. I lived with my mum when I was sixteen, and I did an open college of, college of arts textile course. I'd still got like my hand in with the UK is that like, side of education. Is that like A level then? I guess yeah. Like if if I went to college, yeah, just so that. You know, it bridged the gap if I ever wanted to go back to the UK, which is what happened. Um, So I picked up a bit of French, a couple of French boyfriends in between that. (laughs) And And um, an addiction to (laughs) croissant. Yeah, and I applied to University de Montfort in Leicester because they did contour fashion, which was a little bit edgy. And I thought... Why, do, why not just do something like wedding design or structural? My dad's an engineer, so surely those two go together. Um, did my art foundation. That was at uni, so I could get my place mm-hmm. into, the, into um, my degree course. Um, and got completely distracted by boys. <laughs> On for a first in the first year. By the third year, fell into events and... Just using my creativity again, like completely distracted, um, got offered a job as soon as I spat out of university for this small company, a lady who had a lingerie company. she just set it up online and we were sat in her living room. There was me and two other women. And that was my first taste of small business. I mean, we're talking Instagram didn't exist. We just kind of like Facebook had not long started. Um, so yeah I just felt like I had to get a job and was just bounced around got made redundant from that went home stacked shelves at Sainsbury's and just thought how can I use my degree and um, applied for a graphic design job because I learned graphic design in my degree and um, and yeah just like I say bounced into another creative domain and um, not really knowing what I wanted to do so
0: even though you sort of picked textiles as the outlet for your yeah. creativity when you were younger, you that wasn't really the the conduit that no, <clears throat> that was the right thing. So, what I guess, um, what about textiles did you like at school? Like, why did you why do you think you picked that as your creative
1: outlet? Did you do? You, I think it's just. Um, when you're a child you you take a lot of inspiration from, from your parents and your grandparents um, so my grandparent Nanny Barber is who I was closest to from kind of I admired how she dressed she always was in her A-line skirts and set in the 50s and I loved music in the 1950s like Nat and Cole and Frank Sinatra and old films it just felt very glamorous and I think the connection of her sewing her own dresses mum also being very hands-on with a sewing machine it just married up there was something about it that you could create something from nothing wear it and then be transported into this world that was in my head of this glamorous time Mm. in the 1950s um so I think it was maybe escapism and I think a lot
0: of um if you, you've spoken about french designers and i think you're very bit influenced by like fashion photography yeah because something that captures I, I i love fashion history as well i'm not a very good dressmaker because i don't have the patience for it but i find that part of going to any sort of exhibition or museum absolutely fascinating with the and and even um costume dramas, like watching the yes, TV, and love I, I love it. anything like that, but it is, I think the gateway is like fashion photography, really glamorous shots of the, yeah. the um, you know, like the gowns, the and gowns, the, the... and that
1: pin-up, and <clears throat> all the little things, the details that came with it, so it would be a hat box for your hat, oh and, yeah, you know, and you'd stand on a little pedestal, and look at your beautiful A-line dress, and it was just... It was just the whole experience that either you were led to believe that that's what it was like, or you were transported to when you mm. looked at that photography. Um, and then to see it in the flesh on how my Nanny Barber behaved, you know, she was, She. it's almost like th- those images came alive mm. as well. Um, so I guess it was just a connection, a love for somebody that represented that. Um, and the feeling that the music and the clothes obviously gave me. Um, I remember having my Nanny Barber's old uh, turntable. It was in like what looked like a suitcase and mm. you opened it. And my grandpa, he loved Nat King Cole. He had um, vinyls that he'd give to me. So, yeah, I think from probably the age of 14, that's and I used to sing. So they were songs that I'd... Love to sing they were easy they were romantic glamorous so So, lots of
0: nostalgia a lot of nostalgia interesting because I think a lot of I know that a lot of what I do is based in a lot of my own nostalgias and replaying some things from childhood that I loved but they were obviously me and you your first steps in working out you're feeling out your creativity yeah. feeling out the things that really you really love but now you're reliving them in not not in the same way but you you've turned those nostalgias into like what you do, do. which is yeah. kind of amazing um you you said you did some graphic design at university that led you to the, your
1: my, the, the last job. The job
0: yeah yeah so what when you say graphic design
1: is this like
0: logos <laughs> Yes, yeah, nothing very...
1: beautiful like <laughs> graphic design. Graphic designers, I, you know, my hat's off to them, I can't do that. Um, we were taught line drawing, so how to like draw patterns and things like that for uh, garments. So I could trace things, what we call. So if someone had um, a logo that they liked or a design, but then they wanted a certain font, it was my job to create that logo based on their brief, okay. um, and it would be applied to. Is the ceramics? The, this is the job. This is the job. Right. Said so that's yep. the type of graphic design it was. Really, it was prepping screen printing, to go on cups and glasses. Yep. For cafes, restaurants, that sort of thing. Um,
0: sorry, a complete tangent here. Yeah,
1: but do because when I spoke to
0: Susie about. Uh, what she does, and I guess because it's fashion and it's clothing, are you a very technical person? Is it, is it, did you find when you, cause, because garment construction is a very technical thing, and that's I've said this before something I cannot and not I can't do, yeah. I could sit down. I, I definitely believe anyone could do anything if they can, you know, read the instructions, yeah. okay, or watch them on a video or whatever. But I don't have the patience. Drives me mad. Do you you like doing that? Because I see you as a bit more of a carefree creative.
1: So I... No, no, I I get it. Like, definitely creative point of view. However, I am a planner and I like to figure out how something works. So like I was saying, my dad's... I'm from a long line of male (laughs) engineers. They like to take a clock apart and work out how they then put it back together. Mm -hmm. And I think as, you know, my dad from a young age, if he didn't know how to do something, he would just go and figure it out. He wanted to make a a diving suit (laughs) and literally made it, you know, or he wanted to play the guitar, he taught himself. So I think the other side of me that I must inherit is... I like to figure out things for them myself. That's why I'm. I didn't train to be a photographer. I wanted to achieve something, mm-hmm. so I went out and just taught myself. So it's like How prob- to... problem solving. problem solving, yeah.
0: But when so, but um, with with doing fashion stuff, did you find it easier to? design the garment or technically make the garment
1: Do you get what you're yes getting at? yeah so it was all creative yeah yeah it was all creative the only time that it got technical like you say like figuring out how i make that pattern piece yeah i did have some of that because you have to work on a mannequin yeah. so again it's a problem that i'm solving for myself i want i know how i want it to look so therefore i am then got to figure out how I make that piece. Mm. Um, but my brain doesn't approach it from a technical, technical point of view of knowing, well, I don't know, it has to be that shape in order for it to fit the waist in that way. You know, I, I can't connect that dot straight away. I have to physically be hands-on to figure something out. Yep. So I'm problem solving as I'm going to always achieve my end result. I can't approach something already having that knowledge. I have to be hands on.
0: No, that, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's so like me. That I think that's my disconnect with the whole pattern cutting, making yes. a thing. Because I like to literally be faced with a staircase I've never seen before and a bunch of flowers. And I, I have vaguely planned what I'm going to do, obviously. Yeah. Because I'm not...
1: You've know. Visually seen it in your head, yeah,
0: and I've brought the right mechanics to make it happen, but I don't know what it's going to look like until I've finished it, yeah. And that's that's my creativity, and yeah. that, I think that, that's what that's, sorry, like that's what I'm trying to get into. Yes. That you're not like, you're not, um, you know, fastidious, yeah, without you're not, you're not, being not, rude. <laughs> no, 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 because that, that, that's 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 one of the interesting things because I I try and this this whole podcast is supposed to be about exploring different ways that people use their creativity and having had somebody like a really technical dress designer on and then having you who's done a very similar route but I see I know you both very well I see you as very different people yeah that is interesting to me and I always I think in that podcast I even said engineers need to be creative yeah there has to be creativity there otherwise you you just just from a blank page to a building that there's got to be something yeah. there that's creative and I just find that I think that's what I find so fascinating about every different person that I've spoken to is that it doesn't it, it doesn't show up in the same way for anybody no. really you know there's something that Susie loves about the technical side of it but then she she brings her own like she talked a lot about fabrics and how the fabric sort of speaks to her and then she creates mm. these amazing things with it and then you're saying like well, the, the, the body just happened to be this thing that I was dressing, but actually you've moved on from that in so many steps in that now you you dress shots for photos and you, you you're creating something in your mind without having to like have this massive forethought, you just see it and you do create it. And I think that's that's just really interesting to me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, obviously we stopped where I worked for that cup design. I was a graphic designer. Mm. And then when I left there, um, I said, I'm just not, I'm just not working for somebody else. I've got my own ideas, my own creativity. And I think my creativity is so maybe uncontrollable. (laughs) (laughs) Like it, it controls where I go. I bounce. Um, and I then decided I wanted to figure out my own business. I didn't even know what that was. And my friend said, come and be an accountant, which is completely the polar opposite to being creative for the kind of the freedom to give myself that one day to discover how I almost control this creativity or know what to do with it like Mm. this catalyst i think it runs freer in me like you're saying i'm quite free with it that i felt i had to pin it down mm. and work out what do i do with it um which then you know like when we met i was on this path of doing events and party wear and dressing something thinking that's what i wanted to do um and then like we just said earlier i chose photography or photography chose me so if we talk about
0: um Ola oh, da yeah Ola oh, da <laughs> if we talk about Ola oh, da a little bit because i think that was such a, an integral stepping stone to where you are now that i don't even think you've quite realized like, i know you know it but when i look at when i see Lauren's journey i'm just like it was all there it was yeah. all there then and it's, it's sort of like how I think about myself. Like, I just need my creativity is completely wild, <laughs> and I need stuff to percolate for actually a long time before I make the connections. It might be someone else sees it years ago. Yeah. But it does, I need to get there myself. And I think that's what, like, oh la da was like the starting point yeah. of all the things that you've gone through to get to now. And I still don't think you're finished. finished. <laughs> no, and I'm not. I'm not finished no. I'm the longest baked yeah. bread you've ever had. Like <laughs> we we both are. So I guess if we if we talk a little bit about Oladi Da, and what it was and what it's taught you. I think it taught you a lot of lessons.
1: Yeah, so O La was my party wear company. Um, like I said, at uni I dabbled in events, um, So I felt comfortable there. I think I discovered a love of hosting um, and decor, however that would be, creating a scene, whether that would be, you know, for a party where it's a tablescape or a balloon. I mean, at the time, I think it was all about really poppy Colours, neon like kind of pinks, the neon light signs, pineapples, pineapples, Um, that was like the start of balloon arches and things. Flamingos were everywhere. Flamingos were everywhere. It was just like this thing. And I think I got swept away with watching a lot of American companies being set up. Mm. Um, I think it was Oh Happy Days still exist now but they were a big American party company and I don't I think I think I can speak for most people we do get engrossed with watching an amazing company online loving what they're doing loving everything they're producing what they're putting out and like I want to do that that's what I'm going to do so I think from that and Pinterest had just started that was like a big thing then uh oh <laughs> <But> yeah <laughs> the bane of um i think most people's lives yeah. <laughs> of where we hold standards to all florists um yeah so yeah i think oh dar mm. i spent five grand on building a website as in i didn't build it i just handed money over wow. i bought stock of at least two grand like we're talking confetti balloons, and and I just thought I could start open this website, and people would come. Mm-hmm. Like here's my internet Instagram open, come come aboard, make me rich, and I think that is the biggest lesson. Like I, there was no, there was none of me behind it. Mm. There was no journey. There wasn't, it felt like almost there wasn't a person behind it. I'd created something that I wanted it to look like, which, like we've talked about, if I have a vision in my head, I'll go up to the mannequin and I'll make the dress and just applied the same thing to what I thought an internet business is. Well, it looks good, looks like the others. Why is, you know, why are they crickets? And I think that was the big, hard reality of you have to, it's more than just what it looks like. You have to put thought integrity and really know who you are to create something. It can't just be, I want to do this thing and then it, and make it look like it works. Um, And I was holding stock. Stock that I couldn't sell, couldn't shift. I had a website that I couldn't change anything on. I had no control. Um, so that was like what seven grand straight away and all the time of mine down the drain mm. a real slap in the face
0: yep <laughs> <laughs> well no it is and I think it's really important to to look at those what you would deem as a failure and it's just been the the making of you I think in terms of a lesson because what do you do now you literally help people and work with people to show their deeper story behind their business which is what you didn't have exactly and you didn't have that and you didn't know you needed it because no like people don't really talk about you you know you literally unless you're really immersed in the sort of business world and you let's speak to people all the time you don't hear the stories you don't hear their stories until you see it. And then maybe you hear an interview with them or you hear this and you hear about all the, the roadblocks and the failures and the passion that it took for them to get to where they were. And all of that is their story. All of it. But yeah. if you're not, I think for a small business, it's so important to show up as that person that's gone through that rather than showing up as the successful finished product, which I took years. Years to to really connect with because I thought I needed to be this perfect floristry you know nothing goes wrong everything's perfect sort of thing I used to talk about my company as a we I used yes, to be a we
1: I used to do that and fake it till you make it yeah
0: and I and I painted this picture of a of a thriving floral studio or a shop. Even. I mean, I never said I had a shop, but I used to get people all the time getting in oh. touch about the shop, and I'd be like, "No, it's just me in a shed." <laughs> and, I knew, and, that, and that breeds like imposter syndrome. Yeah, right? you wouldn't believe because I I was trying too hard to be fake this. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, when I've actually started to step more into the reality and tell my story it's gone better than yeah it ever has so I think obviously there's um you know you don't want to wear your heart on your sleeve all the time there's there's your private life there yeah there's certain boundaries yeah and you might not be ready to share a failure you know and we're not saying you know we all have to just sit on Instagram and cry every time an invoice <laughs> isn't paid or so you know I'm not saying that yeah. but actually I find people connect so much better with real things yeah. yeah and i think your What something you do amazingly is you do make like you make reality look so beautiful and i mean you j- just the way you style things i just i know you, you'll say oh you're good at styling i i just plunk stuff and it looks okay but you've just got this vision and i think that's like i don't know i just i just I'm waffling now. What <laughs> no I think having the vision to bring those two things together, like the reality, so the story, the authenticity, but also the beautiful stuff, is
1: like is quite magical, really? Yeah, because reality doesn't have to be ugly. Reality isn't. We're in it. Like literally I'm sat in your beautiful shed. <laughs> You know carriage and it, yeah it's dark and grey outside but there's so many pure moments of beauty that we've seen before I was you know going to lift my camera up or my camera on my phone and capture it and it's reality as in you may have intentionally put those things out and thought about where you're going to place them so that they look beautiful but then you've not moved them They're there for a purpose and a reason Mm. and expressing your own creativity. And it's I always remember you saying something about how styling um makes you feel or makes the person that looks on to what you've styled as if they are being cared for Mm. and that you've you've been considered or you know, that person has been considered by you when you have put something together and i that has always stayed with me that actually beauty it isn't a fickle thing it's something that people connect with it's an emotion so and you feel care you feel cared for that's
0: exact when i drill down to my values one of my values is beauty but it is it's more the act of creating something beautiful. Well, it's beauty and space together and creating... Yeah, you are. You're, you're doing something with care. Mm-hmm. You are considering how are you going to lay this table for when your friends come, so that then when they come into your house, they go... Yeah, oh, because
1: you're you caring. Care. Yeah. yeah,
0: and I think that's really important lesson, that you're not just... If you care about your business and your products, or your, or even your your home, and I'm not saying every home has to be spotless and beautiful because mine isn't, but when I, when I, when I care for myself, I know I want it to be clean and tidy. Mm. When I care for people coming round, I want it to be, uh, tidy and maybe there's a candle lit and I've got the clean towel for staying and like yeah, th- those are the things that mean something to me. They might not mean something to anyone else. I know plenty of people who don't even, like, wrap presents. Like, they'll just hand it you in a, in a carrier bag. I know people like that because that's not important to them. That's fine. But when those things are actually really important to you,
1: it's really important to capture them properly. Yeah. And, so. I, and I completely agree. Like, with my product photography, my client wants to take their customer to that place. It's not that every day, Monday to Friday, their house is spotless and clean because they have that candle that they've bought from that company but it is at that moment that they have looked after themselves that they have given the house a clean because that's the type of person that feels that way that would also buy that candle and light it in that moment of calm for themselves Mm. so that is that beautiful moment
0: and it's it's part aspiration like it is a lot of The things we're talking about are very i say aspirational brands aspirational placement in the market you know a lot of these things are luxury for time luxury for for money we get that but actually when you drill down to those parts of it what it is is it is a bit of care and there's nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with aspiring to care for yourself a no. bit better. So yeah, that's a lovely. That's sort of a lovely metaphor, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, and it's a nice balance of finding that the beauty in the real world. Yeah, and applying that to your story.
0: Yeah, and so going back to
1: Oladidar.
0: Oh, yeah, and obviously within that you say you had a lot of stock you were trying to shift a lot of stock i still have
1: it now oh good (laughs) eight years on i mean we we party hard (laughs) (laughs) when we party (laughs) everyone gets
0: a balloon yeah (laughs) (laughs) um no when within that i think what happened what i saw happen was that obviously you needed to take a lot of photographs of the stock and you styled things really well. And I've been on shoots with you where you've had a photographer, another photographer, an outside photographer take photos of your things, um, but you'd styled them. And then I think what you found was people were asking you like, Oh, who's taking your photographs or who's doing this? And it ended up that it was you that had styled a lot of them. And you'd bought your Olympus pen and were just shooting on auto, but you had the, that part of it and i'm just interested in like what ignited that fire to be to
1: to
0: to quit because that's a really 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 big thing to quit anything like it's scary and it's brave and i think a lot more people need to learn to quit something when it's not working for them rather than slog on sometimes like me (laughs) that's fine um but also what led you down the path of now becoming a photographer?
1: Um, I think so the photography side of things I couldn't visually get the images that I wanted when I used a photographer it was always going to be their style and I think that's why I start workshops is because as much as I do have those great clients that come to me for photography there are always going to be those people that need to discover their own style that are frustrated and don't have the budget. And I think that was the other thing I literally forked out seven grand. I I had nothing left like birthday, Christmas money. I gathered it together. I bought my Olympus pen. And I mean, I love photography from a point of my mum and dad used to do it. And my granddad loved it, but it was just for family holidays. But once I realized I had to show up on Instagram and the mobile phone at the time wasn't cutting it, um, everyone, I mean the workshop that we met on, she she even focused on using the Olympus pen. It was like this, the way that it just changed everything um, for people, for like normal people not needing a photographer. So I just took the leave and thought, I've got one last chance to show up properly Started photographing my stuff, obviously styling it, figuring it out, learning on the go. And I think it was just, someone said, I think I'm, I went to, I went to a Fabulous Places. Um, I think it was like the Spring Market or something. And there was a lady there, I just got chatting to her. Love your stall, your stand. And she said, oh, I recognize you. I follow you on Instagram. So this was like back in the day when you're like, wow, I'm Insta-famous when (laughs) you've got like 100 followers. (laughs) And um, she said, who does your photography? And I obviously said me. And she said, great. Would you ever sit with me or teach me or maybe do them for me? Um, And I really enjoyed it. It freed my creativity to not have the pressure of, These images have got to work for me to sell the stock that is in my bedroom, my spare room, and I've got to try and make this seven grand back. That pressure just lifted when I was styling um, for this lady and her products. And I just thought, I'll just show up. I'll show up every day, because that's what all the podcasts used to say back then. In their American twang, show up every day. And I posted every day. And because of that, I needed that content. I was loving my Olympus Pen uh, camera. And someone else then just asked me on Instagram. And I thought, right, I'm gonna have my own Instagram. I'll just use my original one, which is um, Lauren and Barber. And, My friend said, oh, you don't want to call it that. It needs to be like a business. And I thought, well, I don't even know if I'm in any business. So I think, yeah, there was definitely a time when I thought, I'll just carry on doing this thing on the side while I'm trying to make Oh la -Dee -Dee dee work. And I've just met the love of my life. And we've moved house and we're planning to get married. And, you know, there's just so much stuff going off in your head. Um... And I think I just thought, right, it's gonna cost me more to try and change this website of Ola Dar to maybe a photography one. Maybe I just give it a go. Like there was no, there was no intellectual thought process. <laughs> it was literally I'm good at this thing. People are reacting. Maybe I follow that. Whether it was a gut thing, an instinct, or what else have I got to lose? Cause I've already lost seven grand and my husband's wondering, where is this money going to come back? Um, I'd already set up a limited company. Like that's as far, that's far as I went with my Oh La like set it up as if I was literally bringing money in. <laughs> it was insane. I just had to do everything above board and whereas this felt more organic and like just trying it out and I'd already failed. With Oladidar, so I couldn't. I'd already hit rock bo- bottom. Couldn't fail any harder. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that Sounds really so mean. Yeah.
1: You? No, yeah, but right, um... yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't fail anymore. So why not just try it? I'd already got a job still, so I was still working as the bookkeeper for my friend. So I got an income, and I thought I'll do it the way maybe I should have done Didar. I'll work a bit, try this thing, and just react when someone reacts and just try different things some of it worked some of it didn't
0: I think we we've always said this for years that we were are very similar <laughs> that we want to be at step 10 yeah and we're only on step two yeah and we can't and doing the steps in between seems like just a stupid amount of work, so we're not gonna do it. We're gonna try and skip to step 10, yeah. but we're not, we don't have the, the foundations built. No. And I, I'm very like that, you know, I'll, I love to um, like create a new website for something that doesn't, it doesn't exist. But I want, I want to think it exists. So I make this yeah. like little website and a logo and all of this stuff. And it's just like, actually you need to do the doing need to do the exploring, see, because it might not even be what you want in the end. And I think i fall fallen into that trap um, massively, because not that Francis and Rose is not what I want, but if I'd have taken a moment to really think about it, rather than dive head first into doing weddings and all of this stuff, I, if I'd have really taken my time I don't think it would be. It would have been what it's been. And I don't think it's what I want going forward. Yes. And yes. I know that if I'd have taken the time, like you sort of inadvertently did with the photography, that I'd be in a more stable position in my headspace, at least, about what it was that my creativity was doing for me. Because, yeah, it, it's it's hard when it's business and creativity but the reality is that if you're not if you're not super passionate about it like if it's not feeding all your values then it's just gonna become quite a humdrum job that you it might as well it might as well be accounting do you know what I mean yeah I think that's really interesting that you you took that took that pressure off and took that time I think that's what a lot of people put on themselves when, even if they're not trying to make a business out of being creative, they put so much pressure on themselves to have a finished result, to have the perfect, um, to have the perfect painting, to have made a dress from scratch. to la-
1: Yeah. and And that's really, creativity comes from you, don't, you can't have that amount of control though. It has to be almost allowed to be free and like just flow. And when you restrict it, and like you say, you put that pressure on it. And I think just letting go of oh la freed that space in my head mm. to let my creativity go in the direction that's obviously something is pulling me to. And I need to explore it. Yeah. And
0: I think trusting your gut is such a massive part of all of creativity. Because you see, again, like you see a business that's online that's selling party wear Mm. and you want to do that. But I think it's drilling down as to why. Why do you want to do that? And if you'd have drilled down a bit better, better? harder, taking more time over it, you'd worked out that what you really, really liked were was the idea of hosting, throwing parties. You love hosting. You love that part of it. You love styling. Oh, maybe I'm a stylist. How do I translate stylists to a business? Oh, well, maybe I photograph people's products that they want me to style. Like, all the ingredients were there, but you ran out of the starter blocks like yeah. hell for leather and didn't think about it. And I did exactly the same. I held some flowers,
1: I thought I liked them, and I immediately thought, right, that's a florist. Yeah. And I think what we both also do is we have to, because we're so creative, we have so much of it, almost in abundance, <laughs> that, of course, it also has to be in our work life, it has to be a business. And I think then what we get caught up in is understanding what we do for joy and what we do for joy of also bringing in an income. Mm. You know, and that is also another level of pressure that we have on ourselves when it comes to our creativity. When you put restrictions on top of it and don't know how to let go of things, or in, I think that's when you resent your creativity
0: Mm.
1: or you don't, you have this big question mark of what am I meant to do now?
0: Yeah. Because if there's no hobby, there's no time for a hobby because every single hobby you have, you turn into a business, you try and turn into a business, guilty, then you do start to resent your business even if it's something you absolutely love because you you feel like there's no there's no you time away from it exactly it's a very um it's a very multi-layered complex thing Mm -hmm. really isn't it so um i think it would be really interesting to hear about some of the ways you think creativity gets in your way um i guess we've spoken about your path to finding how you use your creativity. Um, but are there any moments that you find it really frustrating? We've already said like it's a bit out of control.
1: Yeah, it's very distracting. Mm -hmm. So my creativity can be in the form of not tidying, but Oh, I need that just, well, yeah, it's part of my tidying. Like those tables in my lounge, need to look right like everything needs to creatively be on a a book or something or so that can distract me when I should have just tidied the house Mm. I've actually gone one step further and just actually rearranged something styled it all styled it all Mm. so I think that's a form of creativity that definitely distracts me like procrastinating yes and that's definitely with Pinterest uh so I'm always planning ideas of things, mostly interiors, because I think that's my other love of things. Um, we've just moved into my grandparents' house, Nanny Barber's house, actually. And um, obviously you can imagine, I think there's about 500 pins <laughs> on this one, this one
0: album for the house. Um, just just an aside listeners Lauren's Pinterest is the most organized thing you've ever seen um, I remember you showing me a couple of years ago one of your boards and you had everything organized into like I think it was for a shoot and it, there was the board and then there were like sub boards Yes. and I just I was like I didn't even know you could do that with Pinterest it's I don't yeah know, and it's add amazing. notes add notes
1: which is really helpful you know when you're creating a mood board or a brief mm. for a shoot um, and it's where I always direct my clients to um, but creativity can still get in your way there because you just go on a tangent
0: do you find that you do this
1: um, I think
0: I spoke about it with Catherine in the, uh, in the podcast I did with Catherine Taylor um, about Consuming rather than creating, so I called it like um, my friend, my other friend, uh, calls it you pin but you don't go in. It's kind of funny, <laughs> Love yeah. But it's like you pin all these things and then you don't ever do any of them. I find myself like down a rabbit hole looking at all these possibilities. I think that's where my creativity goes it's like all the things I could do and then I'm not doing any of them. Do you find that a problem or is it that? you go down like a tangent as in you you weren't thinking about the bathroom but now you've all of a sudden planned a whole new bathroom renovation so
1: I do love Pinterest because I do use it like what I'm pinning and creating as a board I edit so like those 500 pins I will get to a kind of a point and think right I have gathered all the information inspiration I need now I need to go and edit those boards to know what i then want to instigate you know and do wow
0: i don't do, see i think that's but that's where you're amazing at what you do because i just like pin 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 and never never even look back i like brain dump it somewhere and then never look back at it and then i'll go like two years later i'll go on a board that was supposed to be about craft projects and there's like something about i don't know tightening the wheel on my car but <laughs> i put it in the wrong folder
1: and i didn't do you know what I yeah mean? i'm not yeah. i'm not very good at the edit yeah i love the edit and i okay. think that's because i love mood boards because that's where my creativity lives is in that aspirational moment oh. before i then bring it to life mm-hmm. and i create it put my own spin on it so i'm really using it to its fullest in that inspiration way guidance of doing things I think I, like you were saying, I go down on a tangent of, I might have multiple projects or ideas, so I could be looking at something for the house, and then I'm like, actually, that would be really good for a shoot of a client that I'm working with in two weeks' time. I'll add it to her board. So I I go in a tangent in that way, but um, yeah, I think I'm quite, you know, as controlled as can be. <laughs> but yeah, I love, I love Pinterest for guidance and inspiration. It's that aspirational. Kind so of. does that get in your way or not? Um like I guess I guess there is a point of disappointment if I've not executed it. Okay. And I think early on I probably felt like that. I think nowadays I'm reminding myself I'm not especially when it comes to photography. I'm not copying that person that created that thing because I am like them. I've created something, a, f- a photo, a moment. And even though my client says, oh, I really love this, they have to understand I'm not gonna recreate it. Mm-hmm. So I think through that with my work, I've come to understand that it is Pinterest is for the point of inspiration only and that my creativity, I have to trust how I take that and make it into my own thing Mm. and then I'm not disappointed because you know whatever we all create and put out into the world is going to be different because it's we're all different Mm. and so I think that was an early lesson of making sure that clients understood what you're pinning I'm not going to recreate and therefore now that I'm planning for the house I don't have a big American house it's a small little English cottage so I'm gonna take the inspiration from those ideas that I see in the pins, but I'll always have the freedom of my own creativity of how I interpret that. I think it's interesting when you say that.
0: Um, it's it's honing in what it is you like about that pin. Mm. Is it the color? Is it a particular product? Is it yeah the way
1: it's framed? I don't you know. Yeah. Or the different... lighting, like, and then and I guess. That's because it's an image as well. So I'm a photographer looking at someone that's photographed mm. it. Um, and I use that for inspiration of mood, lighting, everything. Analyzing how they've done something to achieve that end result. But knowing that you're not in
0: a New York loft. Exactly. You're yeah. relating it to
1: where you actually are. Yes. Yeah, interesting. And, and the story that that image might be telling. I think that's another... If we're just returning back to how I work my clients those images that border they're creating on Pinterest is giving an overall feel of what they want their imagery to feel Mm -hmm. like so it's taking note of those things within all those images that that creates that mood and that feeling Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I probably analyse imagery that I see especially when it's on Pinterest which maybe helps me not get carried away with the pinning part. Like, I I have intention behind why I'm pinning, mm. um, which holds me back. Um, but, yeah, I think creativity... Yeah, it's always a frustration when it doesn't turn out how you wanted it to. And that's part of the letting go of
0: control. Yeah. I think. Which is hard when you're doing it for a client, actually. Like, there's your own stuff that you do because you like it and you want it to look great but then there's a client brief we've spoke about this before like um maybe someone comes to you with a product that you don't like maybe that's mean but it's it's it not my it, it doesn't aesthetic. align with your aesthetic yeah. but it's it's a job and then they obviously see something in your styling that they really like and they want their stuff to look
1: to fit in with your style yeah and i think when you work with a client and they have a creative brief i think what's i think nine times out of ten a lot of them don't understand what a creative brief is or they don't even know what their brand is they don't know their story they don't know how to creatively connect the two or visually bring it to life how to articulate that and I think the the frustration for me and my creativity of having that flow from you know I have to work from a client's brief it all they really want 90% of my clients I want a pretty picture (laughs) and they don't understand that there's intention behind what I'm doing because there should be intention behind what they're doing (laughs) Um, And that's why I started my workshops, because I felt like there's still not enough understanding and importance behind how you, you know, talk, well, share your brand story, how you're communicating to people.
0: And it is like, if you do want to go big and do big product shoots, and for the client, I mean, you're gonna really come across some stumbling blocks if you aren't able to direct the people you're employing to to create those photos, to create that vision, it's going to get very lost. Um, and I think a lot of people come to you because they want their stuff to look nice because yeah. you make stuff look nice, but you're going, well, how? yeah, what what is it that you want me to say about this product? like,
1: yeah. Who are, who who are we talking to? Who's gonna buy your product? Mm. You know, if you don't understand those things, how am I then meant to talk to them yeah. with this photography? Um, yeah, I think well, from a from businesses it's all we get very caught up in creating a business, a great product, and then we know we need the photography and it just doesn't all connect. Mm. Um and like we were talking earlier about how I started Didar, I showed up thinking, you know, this is how you do everything, and you need that story, you need that progression, um, you know, and and visually sharing that. Um, so yeah. So obviously, you talk about your workshops and
0: the, your clients. What is the what is the work that you're doing, like right now, and what? does I know you're gonna laugh at me when I say this, but what does the future hold? <laughs> okay. Because because I think we both in um, in our own conversations outside of this podcast, we're both in a a, a time a period of change, I think it yes. is fair to say. Yeah. So if you asked me this, I'd be like, I don't know <laughs> So it's it's but it's a really good thing to talk about. Yeah. Because I think even if it is a bit waffly and non-committal it's good to understand that not everyone has a linear
1: plan and a linear journey I always thought I was that person Mm -hmm. and um yeah life definitely throws you things you didn't expect so at the moment um yeah I am working with existing clients still which is lovely like um one of my long-standing ones is Yvonne Ellen London she's just going from strength to strength you know from being just herself to now four or five employees like she's just knocking it out of the park as they say which is wonderful to watch and be a part of and then I have uh new clients like one's really exciting that's Hudson Home which is more interior based and something that I think speaks to what I really love, like my own personal interests. And I think a lot of what I do with my work is very much products that are seen in the home, used in the home, stored in the home, all in situ. So that's a new kind of direction that I think I'm also wanting to explore. I've got this, new house like we've just talked about we'll probably be doing it up um, in the next two years three years god however long it takes (laughs) some years (laughs) yeah and I want to feel like I am my own interior designer I'm sure Um, and I just want to try and pursue the workshop so yes uh, last year I started an online workshop It was about discovering your brand, understanding your brand story, because that essentially, you have to have good understanding before you even start styling or hiring a photographer or or photographing yourself. The response has been good and slow, and I think it's, I have to just be patient with it, keep going at it. Um, I'm doing some workshops um, the month of March, so they're just in-person ones locally, in the Peak District. And I'm figuring out myself what that's gonna look like. Um, I love working with people and interacting. And I think after, you know, lockdown, it's definitely something that I've missed, that interaction of people. It's quite isolating when you work on your own. So I'm looking forward to developing the workshops, education, I think that's really where I wanna help people do it themselves. If I can do it, on auto, on an Olympus pen, you know, those people that are, you know, worried about they've spent seven grand on a website and product, you know, there is a way out. There is, you can still be organically growing this small idea that you have, um, and doing it on your own. Um, so I think it's probably, yeah, education and Education for myself. You know, this is a new thing, interior design, it might be a new path for me. My creativity bounces, so who knows? Watch this space. (laughs) Um, I think it's really important that you don't um,
0: put yourself in a box, though. Yeah. Because I think you, knowing you as well as I do, there's been years of your life where I think you felt you had to put yourself in a box and you had to be one
1: thing, mm. and then you felt a bit trapped. Yeah, and I think life experiences have definitely taught me that what we are encouraged, told, that life should be a certain way, um, you come to quickly realize maybe that's part of age and growing up, and. The wiseness that starts falling upon you that, um, yeah, that like, things aren't a given no. and you can't force things to happen against where it's just meant to go. It needs space and time to develop into something. Um, we're not just going to know what we want to do. And I think that's the essence of creativity. You know, it comes from nothing and take, can take you to the stars and and further mm. and I, that's what's quite magical about creativity nothing there's no one rule yeah you know there's no control and it will it will do whatever it will it'll take more you space. wherever it's yeah. taking you yeah. and you've got to
0: sort of let it yeah mm, I love that <laughs> what sort of advice would you give somebody who might be wanting to explore their creativity a bit more and not necessarily for a business just for themselves
1: I guess um I think I touched on it a little bit earlier like my creativity is I feel my happiest when I'm tidying and then it just kind of goes on from there and I you know rearrange my shelves and make them aesthetically pretty and um I might light a candle and, and set my coffee table out a little more. and So maybe just having a little styling moment at home. You know, shop around your house. Have a look for little things that you think work with one another. Or go into the garden and clip, you know, um, some branches or flowers. I mean, at the moment, you're probably best to suggest what you can get out of the garden. Twigs. <laughs> Twigs. Twigs. Yeah. So <laughs> I think... It's just using what's around you, basically, and just having a play. That's like creativity. It doesn't have to be for a purpose. It can just be that moment of care for yourself, like we've talked about. It's that moment of feeling looked after. Maybe you've got a loved one um, or your children are coming home from school and you want the table to look nice, you know, ready for feeling a bit more like spring is in the house than the weather that we're dealing with outside – you know, and it can just be for that moment, I think.
0: So, like, finding some something that you personally feel is beautiful. Yeah. And putting it together or giving it, it honouring it with some space.
1: Yeah, so if you were to paint, if your your thing is painting, you know, that little picture that you've painted, pop that on a shelf and just arrange it so that it feels lovely when you look at it. Or... You know, I think it doesn't have to be grand, you know, if you're not, if you don't even have a creative hobby, it's just about,
0: yeah. That's a really accessible way of being creative, actually, though, isn't it? Like, like you say, shop around your house, do a little bit of styling, maybe maybe even have a half an hour on Pinterest before to look at some styling ideas, and it could just be a shelf or your kitchen table or yeah that's a really nice like
1: and if if you feel like you want it I don't know to capture it you know I think that's why I loved Instagram in the first place It ignited the creativity in me to do that styling in the first place I wanted to make a picture mm. and then I wanted to photograph it and then I wanted to share it with my friends and I think that was the the basics the bones of Instagram that's where it came from Mm. so it doesn't mean that you've got to post it on your Instagram but even just if you need a purpose or something to ignite it right I'm going to make these shelves look pretty then I'm going to photograph it on my phone and then or I'm going to make a cup of tea sit and look at it I feel better for it I feel you know it's like that spring clean you just feel cleansed and Mm. calmer so I think that's always a good place to start just for your creativity
0: Mm. I like that mm. thank
1: you thank
0: you. Um, yeah I think I think that's a good place to um, wrap up what where sorry where can our listeners find you online
1: on your beautiful Instagram <laughs> mostly Instagram <laughs> um, so you can find me at Instagram at by Lauren Barber so that's BY Lauren Barber. Um, and I'm also, I've got a website which is www.buylaurembarber.com mm-hmm. and I'm by Lauren Barber on Pinterest as
0: well. I have to go look at your Pinterest and <laughs> see how organised it is. I'm worried now. I feel like I need to go back onto my Pinterest and like actually give it a big edit and it might take me like three days. So I know. Good oh, luck with that. Oh, no. No. <laughs> um, no, thank you so much for... Uh, what? has turned out to be a lovely conversation. Aww. I think we've... Um, it's been good. Yeah, I mean, usually when I, I, Laura and I get together, it's like um, eight hours worth of yeah. just nonsense. <laughs> and then we come out and we're like, what happened? Do we know what we're doing with our lives? Um, but I think this has been a nice, concise version concise. of we've that. Concise, we've been good. Yeah, definitely. We've been well-behaved. We've sort of... <laughs> Um, yeah, you don't know what happened in the tea break, though. No. So <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank um, you. Thanks yeah. for having me. That's all right. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Once again, thank you so much to today's guest, Lauren. A truly wonderful conversation indeed. Today is actually the last in this series of The Creative Cure. It's been an adventure bringing this to you every week and I've learnt so much in a very short space of time. Sometimes it really is just best to lean into being a beginner. It's not always gone perfectly, but I have scraped together six wonderful chats with six incredible people and I'm so proud of it. I'd like to say a huge thank you to everyone for listening. I'm amazed at how many people have tuned in and don't worry, I'll be back again soon with some more creative chats. In the meantime, if you do want to follow the other things I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Francis and Rose or over on um, at Marianne Slater underscore artist. I've got some really exciting workshops and new things coming up over the next few weeks and I'd love for you to join me there too. So all that's left to say is thank you for listening and I'll speak to you all very soon.